Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. And we are here today after the wonderful win on the weekend against Man United to discuss the Brighton game coming up. Uh, We have a special guest with us joining the That's So Craven team today. Before I get to Dave, we will uh, intro the usual suspects. How are we going, Dad? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Uh, Good to be here. I'm uh, still... Buzzing and uh, just uh, dreaming about what what happened on the weekend. Uh, yep. Can we can we not have a game for a couple of weeks? It's kind of like having a lottery ticket on the fridge that you don't check. Can we just play Man United every week? I think we'll be walking home with three <laughs> points. It'd be wonderful. <laughs> How are we going, Sammy? Good to good to see you nice and early today in the sunlight. I, I was doing good, but then I was accosted upon entry to this podcast, and it, it's made me violent and angry. But I, it's <laughs> tempered with the fact that Dave's here, and Dave is my sunshine uh, in and amongst uh, my family members. So uh, I'm very happy to be here, largely because of Dave. Oh, very, very kind. And if you'd rocked up very on kind. time, there'd be uh, no accosting, but we'll work on that. And um, a big welcome for the first time to Dave Wilson for joining the podcast. How are we going, Dave? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Um, really excited to to join you this morning. And um, yeah, love talking about Fulham. So yeah, let's uh, let's get cracking. Well, before we jump fully into talking about Brighton, I'd, it'd be great, Dave, if you can sort of give yourself an introduction. I've whipped up a little slide for those following along on the YouTube or the live stream who'll see that you've. Uh, been in the full of media before, I guess, with a bit of fan zone action back in the day. Um, why don't you just walk us through your sort of Fulham story a little bit, um, how you started supporting the club and, you know, what you've done in the past and uh, up until now? Yeah, I, first of all, just on that picture, I don't know where you found that. That must have been in the archive somewhere because I haven't been able to find it. For good reason. I, the amount of hair on my head back then, I'm, you know, it was obviously my life must have been a lot easier back then, 10 years ago. Um, we were quite an established Premier League team then, so that might explain something to do with it. Um, but I started going to Fulham. I think my first game, I just had a quick look because I knew you were going to ask me that question. My first game was eight years old, uh, 1992, uh, West Brom at home in Division Two. Um, we drew one all. Um, and uh, I, that, that was, uh, I went with my godfather, he's a big Fulham fan, and um, him and his son, who's one of my best pals, we um, he took us to the game for the first time, and um, but I, I wouldn't say we were hooked at that point. I mean, this was Division Two, uh, one all draw in September. I think it took until about ninety eight, ninety nine. We I uh, first got my season ticket. It was a year we went up um, with um, uh, Conroy scoring all the goals and Mickey Adams. Um, great times, um, and I remember we used to run around the Craven Cottage. Uh, all the stands and try and get the players autographs and, and stuff like that and uh, it was a lot of fun back then and then yeah it was a season ticket holder through all the Loftus Road days and then all the Premier League uh, uh, the long spell that we had and then um, I did drop out for a few years when I was at uni and just did away games really um, as you say I did 
bit of fan zone for Fulham. That's my kind of sole media appearance. I did about three or four fan zones uh, back in the day or when it was on Sky before they cancelled it and for good reason, really. <laughs> I can't imagine too many people were watching were watching two fans instead of the game. Um, but it was fun. And, um, yeah, I guess um, I, my, I always love talking about Fulham. Don't get enough opportunity to do it. And, um, uh, yeah, I... I uh, well, my friends have been telling me for a while you should do something like this, and uh, the opportunity came up. I couldn't resist, uh, you know, applying uh, and uh, talking to you guys. And uh, we'll have to get you get you back in that shirt as well at some point soon, just to recreate the moment. <laughs> yeah, if you've still got, it out. <laughs> I think I've still got that shirt floating around somewhere in the in the back of the cupboard. Mm, yeah. So, guys, um, let's get straight into it. The game this weekend uh, against against a very up and down Brighton side. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll throw to the floor and just get your thoughts on this Brighton team because it's not the same Brighton team that I, I guess we're used to seeing. This Brighton team that's been flying high the last few years, they're, they're still sitting quite high on the table, but performances haven't quite been there. Um, Dave, I, I guess I'll throw to you first. Your your thoughts on how this Brighton team have been going this season? Well, yeah, it's another strong season. You know, I think um, they're in a good spot in the table. Um, but recently, I, you know, obviously we'll get onto it, but form's been a bit patchy, um, probably to do with injuries. Obviously, they're doing a European campaign as well, and that can be tough um, when you're trying to balance both with the you know, the squad limitations. And, um, but yeah, I think they'll be relatively happy with where they are and, and, uh, you know, uh, how things are going. Um, but they'll want a strong finish and they'll want to be pushing for a Europe, another European spot, no doubt. I, I'm a massive fan of Brighton, especially in the past couple of seasons. Um, I think we've, uh, kind of touched on it already that, um, this, uh, Brighton team isn't necessarily the Brighton team that we've seen over the past couple of seasons as well. Um, but in any case, we have a weirdly good record against them. We've kind of become something of a bogey team. I'm borderline excited, and I'm sure it's going to be famous last words and something terrible will happen. But until then, I'm uh, running off of Man United, and I'm going into a game with a team that we are a bogey team towards them. So this this looks really, really great to me until it's not going to look great. And until then, I'm going to be relatively, I'm going to be pretty optimistic, you know? It It's a weird situation, though. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't get to be where they are on the table without having had a pretty good season, really, to this point. And then a little bit like the end of our last season, um, you know, um, th things have gone bad for them and, and injury is a big part of that, obviously. But um, And I just wonder also if the, the stress and, um, yeah, the stress of being in Europe and not being quite there and really quite having a deep enough squad is actually starting to tell on them. Maybe that's the reason behind their injuries as well. You know, it's not, uh, it's not as simple as, as uh, picking up injuries in, in, in normal business. Uh, you, you push a squad too hard and that's what happens. Well, I think they did have quite a deep squad, but like, um, again, just the 
excessive demands has just kind of like waned on them a little bit. And um, their big thing has been youth development, and it's always been done in quite a controlled way. And maybe that's kind of catching up with them a little bit, um, just entering into this new phase. It's a massive adjustment for any team to kind of um, go from a, um, a bottom half Premier League team to entering into that uh, top six kind of realm. It's extremely competitive. It's really, really exhausting. And then that's excluding all the stuff that comes with um, European football anyway. I think, yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of the season left to run for this Brighton side. And I'm, I'm just looking at their fixtures for the rest of the year. They've got a pretty tough run in uh, after us. The only real games that they should be looking to get points from are Forest and Burnley, maybe Bournemouth. But they've got to play United, Newcastle, Villa, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool before the end of the season. So there, there could be some little spells there where they don't pick up any points and they, they do start to tumble down the table because it is relatively tight around um, where they're sitting in seventh at the moment on 39 points. Uh, if, if a few results go against them, they instantly drop from seventh to tenth this weekend, for example. Um, and, you know, if we win... Um, we're only four points behind them all of a sudden and they're in 10th and we're potentially in 11th. Mm. So Mm. they are, yes, sitting basically in a European spot at the moment because I think 7th now picks up the Conference League spot after the Carabao Cup on the weekend. But Mm. uh, I I think that maybe doesn't tell the full story of their season so far and uh, there's probably a few more twists and turns to come for them. They've picked up some good results, but... Inconsistency seems to be a bit of an issue for them. Um, we'll look at their recent form, and um, again, the inconsistency sort of stands out here where you see win, loss, win, draw, loss, sort of all over the place, winning games that they should be winning against Palace and um, Sheffield United, but then drawing games with Everton and losing to a team like Wolves for a team that is high up in the league. Dave, you'd probably expect a little more from them. Yeah, I I think that, you know, of course, I just remembered it was last, they only played last night as well in the FA Cup. Um, So they were actually in free tournaments up until yesterday. Um, And with that injury list that they currently have, I think, um, you know, it's quite clear they're going to be, you know, finding things tough at the moment and maybe dreading actually the game on the weekend, considering we've had a full week off to recover and have had a really good result to Mm. bounce off. So I think they're going to be, um, their supporters will be coming into this game a little bit anxious um, and just probably hoping just to get a point um, to stop uh, to stop us kind of catching them and to stop a you know two game losing losing run. Um, so yeah, uh, quality. There's no doubt about that, and they'll still put out a side of Premier League quality and they'll still test us because you know they're they're a good side, possession based. And, um, you know, whereas we've recently got the better of them, um, I've just I look. I think we're unbeaten in the last seven games, won four of them. You know, we definitely are a bogey side for them. Um, but they'll they'll come here. They'll, they're a brave side. They, you know, you've seen that they've gone away from home and won games this season. And Sheffield United five 0 stands out on that that list. Um, so they'll come out and they'll come at us and they'll. But I, I think their supporters are quite happy with the draw. Uh, from this, and um, I think we need to try and take advantage of that. I think we should try and nick it in the last three minutes, like we did last <laughs> time, so they can 
whinge yeah. all the way back to the south coast. Oh, this is it. It'll be a Dharma Triore <laughs> instead of Solomon this time, though. <laughs> Lying down the wing and dinking it over the keeper or something ridiculous, Rabonas, all sorts. It It is yeah. a, a bit of a, for me, it's a bit of a cautionary tale, though, seriously, without sort of being too deep and meaningful about it. it you know, we always, when it starts going well, we start dreaming of Europe, not that we'll get to go yeah. on a European tour, but we, but, but we, you know, obviously everyone wants it because it's just that another dimension for the fan base. But it, it, it's a bit like, you know, being a pub band wanting to play stadiums. You know, if you haven't got the money behind you, it, it's always bound to be disastrous. Um, mm. It's, it's really a big boys game. Not, not you know, well, it's simply because you need not just the numbers in the squad, but absolute quality and depth, so you really, truly can play the rotation game. You know, it's pretty, it's very, very tough. Who pulls it off? Look at Palace; they've struggled. I like, I, I like, I like the analogy of a pub band um, trying to play Wembley or an equivalent of that. I think it actually is good because I think, I think. Um, uh, you are you are actually right in the sense that um, if you have a lot of money, you can get skyrocketed there. Um, if you have just uh, something amazing happen to you, like Newcastle and Manchester City are the Ooh. best examples of that. But for teams like Brighton, who have to be meticulous and yeah. who have to be really, really clever and really, really smart, hey, um, Oasis can get to Wembley through great marketing and um, doing all kinds of tricky little things and um working that system but it takes a massive massive toll on the club and i'm very happy to reap the benefits of that and kick their ass you know yeah 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 i would say particularly i mean i've noticed after the last few games they've become very frustrated with the fact that you know we've got an unbeaten run against them and you know we've mm. had a few results where we've you know, as you say, mm. we've smashed and grabbed at the at their ground. And um I noticed on, you know, just looking at social media, their fans are getting very upset about about mm -hmm. this uh, situation. <laughs> I I expect we'll sense a little bit of that angst uh, at the weekend from their end. And um I expect they'll be trying to get on the referees back to try and uh get some decisions their way. And um yeah, it could it's getting a bit fiery this encounter and I'm I'm really excited about it actually. It's a, yeah, it's a weird one to be fiery because you wouldn't expect Fulham versus Brighton to be an over, overly fiery encounter, but it re really does seem to have picked up something in the last few years. I think it is because of that run where, you know, I'm thinking the Solomon goal, the Polina goal on the turn um, in the pouring rain. Was that the start of this season? I think it was. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it just, yeah, it's, it's, I can, I can understand why it would be getting on your nerves because thinking about it, we really, it, it almost feels like we maybe shouldn't be unbeaten against them in the league, but we kind yeah. of are. Uh, they can't Beautiful. get it over on us in the Premier League, Beautiful. even though they're constantly sitting comfortably above us in the league. We seem to be that bogey team for them, and um, I, I love it. It's it's a great place to be because the the players would 100% feel that going into the game. They'd be going, geez, this is the team we can never seem to beat. And one thing I do want to touch on is, you know, we are without Polina this weekend, and I did see a stat that um, Fulham are unbeaten when Polina's not been in the team this season, oh, which yeah, is kind true. of crazy yeah. to consider. You know, we were sort of falling over ourselves at the thought of him 
potentially leaving us and how he's such a key player for us. But the fact of the matter is, this season at least, we've managed to actually deal without him. Um, and I, I would be nervous going into this Brighton game usually without someone like Polina, who always seems to have an impact when we play against Brighton. But do we think, based on the way that Lukic played, especially against Man United, do you think we're going to see Lukic and Reed start again? Or do you think maybe we might see the return of Tom Kearney to the side just because of the way that we we had to play against Man United in a slightly more defensive fashion? Maybe we go on the front foot a bit more against Brighton. For me, I want to see um, the Lukic and Reed combination again for one um, very specific reason that they just have so much to prove at the moment. They are so animalistic. They're kind of they're kind of perfect for each other in the sense that they are really fighting to stay in the squad, and they kind of have a perfect kind of camaraderie just based off of that because they're turning to each other every single game. In my imagination, I don't know if they're actually doing this, but they're turning to each other each game and going, "Oi, we need to front up." because we're probably not going to get as many opportunities while people like Polina are out. And so I, I, I really like that energy. I like that addition in the squad. I mean, it's akin to um, uh, somebody like uh, Muniz coming in and, and uh, battling with Vinicius for that top spot. It creates a good energy. Ooh. It's healthy competition. And um, we as fans benefit from that. And no, I, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see the boys go to war again because it was awesome last time. I mean, I, you're talking to a big Tom Kearney fan here and, you know, That's most okay. weeks he gets in, he gets in my team. But I think I'm I, I'm kind of with you to, I think, uh, you know, from Marco's perspective, he doesn't really like to change a winning team too often. Um, and um, Luke yeah, had a fantastic game last week. Um You've also got the fact that Brighton are a bit more of a possession side. So, you know, two destroyers in there, that double kind of pivot um, might be more suited to this game. And um, I suspect that might be where Marco goes. But um, obviously introducing Kearney late on can have such an impact too. Um, mm. Whether we're winning or losing, he, he provides, um, you know, he can, he can really kind of... Uh, come in and, and do a great job for us. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think it probably will be Lukic and Reed, but um, you know, of course, Marco normally puts Kenny in at home. Or when I say normally, since about November time when he really broke back into mm. the side, he's usually played most of the home games. But um, I have a feeling that you're right, and this this week he might stick with Reed and Lukic just because of uh, the performance on on Saturday. It, it's a really interesting one because I, I would. I would say that in almost every instance, Marco backs a winning side and he won't change it. He's, he's not easily, his mind is not easily changed. But I wonder if, you know, if Polina was available, if he'd actually be tempted to tinker with that. Oh, we, we're never, we're never going to know because he's not. But um, I, I think he goes with momentum and he, he gives Lukic a chance. Because you think about it, if, you know, if if he can truly get Lukic fired up, that is a massive, massive win for us. Um, does Polina stay? Is he going to be part of the setup next year? Who knows? But even if he doesn't, what what Polina did the other day, I think, <clears throat> has 
sort of surprised everyone. I, obviously, he's got it in him. He's a quality footballer, but we haven't seen it. We absolutely haven't seen it. And he was an entirely changed man. I've never never seen him charging through the middle like that. I know, I know United gave us a lot of space in the middle, but he he was a different beast, entirely different. And I'm I'm reckoning, I'm sure Silver's thinking, if I can just give him the confidence to do that a second time, I, I I've got a proper midfield here that really I can deploy based on requirements. And that'd be an incredible situation for us to be in. Well, I, I, I'd probably keep it as is just for for the sake of it more than anything. I don't think we need to change it up. But I guess the other question out there is, uh, does Willian find his way back into the team? Uh, I, I assume he just missed out last weekend because he, he had a bit of a muscle complaint, but it doesn't seem like anything overly serious. If Willian is fit and available, does he come back in? And if so, who misses out? Because I think... Everyone across the front line had a really good game against United. Uh, really, I mean, if you had to give player ratings, no one really fell below like a eight and a half, nine throughout the whole game, personally for me. I, I don't know who you would drop, but when you've got someone like... Uh, Polini is a different story because he is obviously unavailable no matter what. But when I look at someone like Willian, who's been one of our best players this season and especially recently seems to have struck some form and, and found some form. Do you bring him and Kearney in together who create so much together and drop Reed and then maybe you drop Pereira and play a Wobi central? I, I don't really know where that fits, but if Willian's available, I, I'd be struggling to leave him out of the side at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I, I think a bit like Polina when he's fit, I think when Willian's fit, if he is fully fit, he comes in. Um, I think Marco values him as one of the top players in our side. And um, mm. and I think we know that Harry Wilson can do it off the bench as well um, and make a massive impact. So I think that if he's fully fit, he will come back in for, for Harry Wilson because we know that Awobi can play right. And um, Marco's probably thinking back to those, you know, early December performances where we were winning every game 5-0. And um, mm. we had Awobi on the right, William on the left. Pereira in the middle, you know, and, and he's probably thinking, you know, is that my best team? And and wants to start evolving back towards that now that everyone's fit and back from African nations. Yeah, so yeah. I think William would play left. I think Awobi would play right. I think the big question is centre mid. Um, Marco's not going to drop Pereira. I mean, he's had lots of opportunities yeah. to do that. And, it, it, mm. you know, and, you know, he kind of splits opinion. Um you know, his stats and assist stats are actually remarkably good this year, but um, he can be a frustrating player. But I think Marco thinks he's a really important part of the side and I really would be surprised if he was left out. Mm. What well, One thing we we did not do in our last pod, actually, was talk about Pereira. We didn't mention him at all, which when I, um, when I thought about it, it kind of surprised me. And I, I actually, we've been pretty hard on Pereira, Um and I actually think he had a really, really good game. I thought he was really good against Man United, uh, better than he's been in many a week. And I, I just wonder whether I, I, I don't think he's he'll he'll bench him. I think he needs Pereira to be in really great form. And if last week 
could be the start of something. I think he'll he'll mm-hmm. keep playing him. The, the other thing about William is we, we don't know the extent of his injury. And I think at 34, 35, if there's any question, I think he, you know, he, he, even obviously if he's not uh, medically fit, he doesn't even make the bench. But if, if it was a fairly tough injury and he's recovered well, but it was a difficult injury, I think he doesn't start. The the point about that, and and William is beyond question my favourite player, so I'd al- always be trying to find a reason and a spot for him. But I I just I'm not convinced he does that well off the bench. I think no. um, I I think he's better with more time to grow into the game and have an influence. I think he just I don't, I'm not sure if it's his age or. If if that just doesn't suit him, it's not for every man to be able to do that. And I I I, th- I don't think we get the best out of him if we actually we do have him on the bench. So yeah, no, lucky I, I don't get paid the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I completely agree. I mean, it's not actually that much um, of a debate for me because I have been singing the praise of Iwobi on the right since I saw it. It was a revelation the first time it came into. Um, my eyeline i just i just thought it was perfect and it felt like that was a part of um the squad that we were really really missing um i mean i'll i'll go on record and say i i love andreas Pereira. i know some people are frustrated by him but i like um his um composure i mean i i don't think uh he necessarily needs to set um the world alight absolutely every game but i do think that there is a really healthy consistency to him actually in the squad and he just knows how we play so well now i think he's um been very very molded into the silver system and i really i really like um iwobi in there as well and i also really actually like um tom kenny actually coming into that role um from a bit of an impact position as well so i think there's um Lots of ways that um, uh, the game can potentially go. I mean, I know it's probably not necessarily the best for conversation, but I've just got so much trust in Silver at the moment. And if um, the past couple of months is anything to base on, and we've said it a bunch on this podcast, I never know what Silver's going to do. And I will question it pretty much every time I see it. And He's all he seems to be always right. And I know that's me through rose-colored glasses, but he is... He's he just has a knack that I don't get, and that's why he makes more money than I do. That's the <laughs> only reason why he makes more money than I do. Mm, maybe not. I think there's a few more than there might be more than one reason. But one one other thing to consider, um, which I, I hadn't considered, but I was just looking up our, our current injuries and the status of them. Um, Harrison Reed is still having his condition assessed after his uh, facial injury. There's a potential of maybe some late onset concussion there. Um, we saw obviously Casemiro having to be substituted from that clash, and Harrison Reed. I don't know. He kind of looked like he had glazed eyes for the rest of the game, but played kind of like a robot with glazed eyes for the rest of the game, and uh, just threw himself around like no one's business, which I love. But there's a potential that he might actually miss out because of that injury or maybe just be rested because of that injury because he did take a pretty heavy hit to the head. So if that was the case, I think you would see Tom Kearney come back in, which for me would strengthen the argument to have Willian come back in the side if he's fit because 
those two combining together with Robinson down the left, they, mm. they've been doing incredible things this season, and and they mm. just seem to be on another another level that trio. And that's where I think we we create a lot of our chances from. And the fact that Muniz is starting to understand what those guys are doing as well, seeing assists from Robinson, from Willian for um, for Muniz up front, it just seems to be clicking really nicely down that left-hand side. So if there was the opportunity to bring that together, I'd be all for that, even though it does mess with a winning team. So you actually touched on a really, really good point, Jack. If um, Reed actually is injured and if he's written out of this game... I'm that kind of changes my opinion on it because then obviously I definitely want um Kenny to start and I'm not a hundred percent convinced if I actually want Sasalukic to start because I don't know I'm not entirely confident on his um partnership with Kenny. It's specifically the partnership that he has with Reed. I am very behind and I like. But yeah, if if Reed's out, that kind of I don't necessarily know what I want then. Um but yeah, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Well, there's no one to replace Lukic in the middle. Well, that's so that's the thing. I don't know. Yeah, where, but I'm just saying I'm not. I don't like anyway. it. I'm just saying I don't like it. Then. Yeah, there's not been too many occasions where Lukic has partnered Kearney in centre mid. Um, so yeah, it's a good point. But we might be resigned to that if Reed doesn't make the the squad because there's just mm. literally no one else that we could put into cover. But, yeah, um, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah but. Um, I think it's just remarkable that the one person we're not even talking about in team selection now is Meniz. Just that what a testament how he's done over the last month. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> first name on the team sheet. It's just brilliant, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Rightfully so. I, I know. I couldn't be happy for him. Either. I mean, he, he just comes across in all the full of media as just such a you know good guy of a good attitude. And, you know, you see him play him with a smile on his face and, and really putting the effort in and, I, actually, before mm. he started this period of scoring and the appearances he's made, I thought he was actually, you know, tr- trying to occupy centre-backs, win his headers, you know, hold the ball up. But now just getting in the six-yard box and getting on the end of stuff. I mean, have we have we actually found what we were missing? Is this, you know, that's the big question, isn't it? Can he continue this this form? Um, it's unbelievable. And, and every, everyone thinks it, it can't possibly be true. He cannot actually develop that quickly. But with every week, with every week, I mean, he didn't score last weekend, but geez, he looked good. Mm, and mm. if he keeps doing that, I tell you what, that, got, that turn and shot against oh, the post. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, tasty. that was that was world class. Uh, you don't mm. see, you know, bit part strikers doing stuff like that, because if you do stuff like that, you you start every single game. And And to see a 23 year old Brazilian doing it up front for us. And, you know, him hitting the post and having a bit of a wry smile afterwards because he knows he absolutely sold that entire United defence in one little shimmy. It's it's exciting to see that kind of stuff. And and I agree. Yeah. It's It's been great, just this transformation from a bloke who couldn't even get into a championship side last year is now the, the saviour of this Fulham striking, striking lineup. It, it's It's brilliant to see. Yeah. It's like um um to to tail to tail off the point on like um new um uh, is I it it's it's a really lovely thing about being a fan of a club like Fulham because 
I feel like every season there is a, a cult hero as such. I mean, last season it was um, uh, Vinicius, and this season it's Moniz. And it's just, it's, a, it's such a lovely little B story because you know what? It's realistically, it's probably finite and it's probably not going to continue. And I would love to see him become um, uh, uh, Ronaldo um, with like the nine. Um, as in Brazilian Renata. I'd love to see that happen. I'd love to be at the birth of that. Whether it is going to happen or not, I'm not entirely sure. But you know what? Just um, it's it's one it's one of the best parts about like supporting uh, clubs like Fulham because it, even if it's just one season, it's still awesome. And hopefully, it's three or four. But it's it's just so great, and I'm just so happy for him. I just I I just love the guy. He's 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 I like bless his little con socks. He's having the best time. <laughs> Yeah, I saw something on Twitter. Someone said that, you know, uh, he's gone from a waste of space to, oh, oh God, Ruined I hope we can hang on to this guy, um, you know, long term. <laughs> in the space of a month. Um, what I do want to talk about, though, is a little bit of Brighton news, and we've sort of touched on it a little bit. The fact that Brighton have so many players currently unavailable for this game especially. Um, for those on the, the live stream following along on YouTube as well, um, I'll just run through the list of um, injuries and also one suspension as well. Um, Brighton missing Matoma, March, Hinshelwood, João Pedro, Gilmore, Milner, Ferguson, Veltman, Lamptey. Um, and look, these guys are, I wouldn't call them household names, but they're regular starters for Brighton. And I geeked out and spent a bit of time looking at um, some stats for uh, basically how Brighton have been using these players through the season. Uh, the, the players who are unavailable for this game against Fulham have a combined 210 appearances this season with 34 goals and 21 assists. Now, it's it's not like they're missing a handful of squad players and one or two starters. Uh, you look at these nine players unavailable, you could pretty much put them in an 11, uh, add a couple of players in and... and if you saw that team playing for Brighton, you wouldn't be overly surprised. It's it's a big loss for them and, and something that we should be really trying to take advantage of. Uh, Dave, your thoughts on, you know, how Fulham should be approaching this game considering so many key Brighton players are unavailable? Well, it's a huge opportunity, I think. You know, we've got to try and take advantage of that. We've got to take advantage of the fact that they've played in the week. Um, and I think that we'll be really positive because of the result that we've had. The players should be confident. Um, you know, they, they'll know that they'll have an inkling about this as well, that Brighton are depleted. Um, and I, I just think I'm really positive about the game. I have a good feeling about it. I think that, you know, if we can kind of just the performances that we've been putting in uh, at home recently, uh, even against Aston Villa, that, you know, we where I think we actually played okay, just mistakes cost us. I think that um, generally, if we can try and you know keep this form going and this level of performance going, then we should have nothing to fear, and we should be you know getting three points here and pushing our way back up the table. Yeah, I, I think I think well, I think we all totally agree with that. I mean, if anything, I just want to actually um, because I know I know these guys aren't uh, household names by outside of um, football obsessed standards. But I mean, uh, I would sign any of these guys if I was playing football manager. Like these are these are experienced Premier League players that actually um, really 
add a lot to squads. I mean, if you think of just somebody like James Milner, just for a really, really basic example, you could not have a more battle-seasoned Premier League player that can just add so much to a game for um, a um, developing player. And then if you... And then you've got people like um, Mitoma in there who is just oozing class. And we've seen it a thousand times, um, particularly at Fulham, how much um, the guys have benefited from um, having William there and just having uh, a touch of class, i.e. in like Kenny or, you know what, even in just Mitrovic in general, blasphemy, I know. Um, it's the like these players are players that can seriously, seriously elevate your team. And so I think without them, it is a serious, serious blow for them, even if it doesn't necessarily, even if they're not the most sexy names in the world. It's a really, really big loss. And it puts us in a really tasty position to just continue um, the plague of Fulham against Brighton. I, 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 I live for this. This is I, I, I'm very I'm very optimistic, you know. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think um, the, the the names themselves are interesting. Obviously, they're good players, they're Premier League players. But the the, the biggest thing that teams, mid table teams, have to contend with is actually disruption. You mm, know, Fulham so depends so much on having an informed team that's clicking, doing things well. Everyone's combining really well. You take two or three players out and replace them with equally good players, you've actually disrupted your side. And at this mm-hmm. level, it counts for a lot. And that's when mistakes do creep in or you just don't seize on opportunities because, you know, you just don't know where that guy's going to run. Yeah, you train with him. But if you're a William and, and Robinson, you know exactly where he's going to be. You mm-hmm. don't even need to look there. You just put the ball there and he runs onto it, and you just cannot depend on that. And it's it's the disruption factor for me, not even the quality of play that comes in behind them, um, unless your Man City is, you know, next-level stuff. Yeah. Or apparently Liverpool, where you can just get uh, 18-year-olds to just come out of nowhere and then win you a Carabao Cup. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, the, it's actually the goals that are the big key here that are going to be missing. Jao Pedro's got 19 for the season for Brighton. Evan Ferguson, I think he scored against us last time he played against him, and he's a class act. He's going to be a serious player one day. And they're missing those two players. And then I look at people like Mitoma, Gilmore, March behind them who've got the assists as well, and and Milner to some extent, not quite as much. You're missing a, a lot of creativity from Mitoma, March, and Gilmore. You're missing the finishing from Ja Pedro and Ferguson. You're kind of playing with a a second string mm. midfield and a second string attack. And, you mm. know, it's it's very much Vinicius up top with Reed and Lukic from last season. And then, um, he, you know, Dan James out on the right and uh, mm. Anthony Knockout out on the left. And, uh, yes, you can get results Short sometimes and things can happen, but, but you're just it, – it's not the same level – and that's what we need to capitalise on because this is a game where, you know, probably a month or two ago, we're looking at it going, God, if we're lucky, we probably walk away with this with a point because Brighton are doing well. Now you look at it and go, this is a, a real opportunity to nick three points. And I remember seeing our run and thinking, this is a tough little run we've got coming up. But we've taken three points off United. We took three points off Bournemouth. 
there's a potential to take three points off Brighton here. And I remember thinking not that long ago that, geez, we might be sort of the 34 game mark before we hit that 40 point barrier. And now it's looking at, yeah, maybe we can hit there by the 29th, 30th game. And that last eight games of the season is just all bonus where we know we've hit that magical mark and we can really push on from there. And this feels like that sort of first step towards that next step, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's another reason why I'm confident about it is that, that you know, what we 12 points from the, uh, the relegation zone now, you know, we've really put ourselves in a good position by picking up three points at Old Trafford. It means that we can go to this game without kind of, we're not looking down, you know, we're looking up and I think the team, you know, should take some confidence from that. And, um, you know, if we, as you say, if we had the same amount of injuries they had and we were going to their ground, I'd be very, very nervous. Mm. Um, mm. And I think if we can get a goal early in this game, we we could get we could we could get a comfortable result here, um, and that'd be great. Just to you know send those send those Brighton fans back home with another defeat to moan about. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have a quick look at the table just while we're sort of discussing it a little bit. We do sit, like you said, twelve points clear of Luton, who are currently in eighteenth. Um, Everton obviously picked up six points from. Uh, Six points, sorry, no, picked up four points after their 10-point um, deduction got turned into a six-point deduction, although I do expect Everton and Nottingham Forest to both pick up six-point deductions from here as well, um, meaning really we're, we're quite a long way away from any potential relegation battle, and I, I feel like basically the teams from sort of 15th downwards are in that battle now, and we're kind of clear of it, even though we haven't hit that point yet. I genuinely think 36 is probably enough this season, meaning that one more win and we're probably there. Um, the the one thing to say, uh, we've got a bit of a tough run coming up after this. We've got to play Wolves um, next week, who are in pretty good form at the moment. We've got to play Spurs after that, who is always a tough game, even though that one's uh, a home game for us. Um, but after that, mm. there's some winnable games. We play Sheffield United and Nottingham Forest back-to-back. Um, that definitely feels like an opportunity to pick up a quick six points. And then uh, it's a bit of a up and down running to the end of the season with West Ham, Liverpool, Palace, Brentford, Man City and Luton before um, the season's all done. So there's there's a bit more to come here. Uh, and I, I feel like we I feel like we've said it so many times this season, but it, again, we feel like a, a bit of a crossroads where get a win against Brighton and it really looks like we could potentially push and really hit into that top half, maybe look to get another 14 wins for the, the entirety of the season and equal the record from last season, um, lose this game and then go on a bit of a poor run and all of a sudden we're sort of clawing our way to that 40 points and um, just hoping we pick up points here and there before the end of the season. So it, it actually feels like a bit of a pivotal point for us and I really hope that... Um, the team come out and and show us the kind of form we saw against Man United because that's taking on one of the you know long-standing best teams in world football um, and teaching them a lesson at their home ground where they don't lose that often. Um, even though it's not the same Man United of 20 years ago, it's still a strong Man United team, man for man. They should be beating us every day of the week and we showed them that we were by far the better team. Um, this, so there's there's a lot to like. This has been such a weird season, hasn't it? Because I um I, I okay I feel that um last season was there was so much electricity, there was so much positivity. It was 
it was it was so great. There was so much going on. It was okay. So the example that I'm going to use was um, last season was like uh, the first Avengers movie. We didn't know that that's what the world needed, and it was great. This kind of feels a bit like Age of Ultron. It's still it's all right, but and there's some good points to it. But overall, oh, you're a bit like I don't. It's not going entirely to plan, but it's still kind of serviceable. Um, uh, and it seems like we're gonna we're gonna get through it, and it's gonna be fine. But it's it's been so up and down. It's it's it's, it's been a very like a, it's been a bit of an emotional roller coaster. And last season was in a good way, and this season's just a bit weird. Um, so I'm I'm real I'm really looking forward to next season when I hope that there has been a lot more consistency established. That's what I'm hoping, at least, anyway. And and a lot more money spent as well. Yes, yes. Bring on Infinity War. Guys, before we sort of finish up, is there any other points you want to make on this Brighton game? Um, it's one I'm personally really looking forward to because I see this as an opportunity for potentially a, a sort of West Ham-esque win where we absolutely put them to the sword and they don't have an answer for us because we're flying and they're struggling. My my only point that I kind of want to make now, just to kind of seem like a better historian um, after the game's done, is we've been overwhelmingly positive and really, really confident. And I almost feel that we've kind of serendipitously set us up for a 3-0 loss. But um, uh, that's just purely to make me seem really smart um, in about a week's time. Um, but until that happens, I, yeah, I guess it's going to be, I guess it's going to be good. <laughs> Yeah. The only one thing I wanted to mention was uh, our favourite referee, Chris Kavanagh, is on VAR. So ah, there's, there's no, uh, there's not, there's no uh, decisions that need to be reviewed because, um, yeah, I think uh, I think I know which way they'll go. Um, so Maybe he'll like us a little bit more now VAR. that Mitro's not actually involved, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Or, or Polina, for that matter. So, you know, we should, our discipline true. Um, can, it should, should be a little better. Yes, yeah, just hope we don't need to worry about VAR on on Saturday. Uh, oh, that's and, uh, a horrible yeah. thought. That is a horrible thought. Thanks for thanks for reminding us, uh, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. Dad, anything from you before we wrap it up? No, no, I think we've covered it. Um, all I would say is that if you offered me this position two weeks ago, uh, if you said to me we we will have beaten Man United away and done it beautifully in the 97th minute. And then we're facing a, a wounded uh, Brighton at home. I began bring it on. We're the form team. They're, they're crippled. And uh, it's it's gr great opportunity to push on. Fair call. And I think um, I'll throw out a little top tip for those following along at home. Um, try and win you a bit more money, Dad. Um, Fulham to win 1-0 with Rodrigo Muniz being the goal scorer. Paying thirty-five to one, definitely worth ten what? bucks. Boost what? that, boost that account, and uh, yeah, you'll be buying, buying a well, a private jet by the time we finished up this season. Please gamble responsibly, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Let's let's wrap it up there. Um, big thanks to you, especially Dave, for joining us. Um, it's it's been great having you along, and we're looking forward to doing more of this with you in the future as well. Um, so a massive thank you to you for for joining on your first podcast. No, thanks for having me. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so it's a nice uh, position to be in coming off the win 
a win against Man United and heading into a game against a depleted Brighton side. So yeah, feeling feeling good and you know enjoyed it today. Yeah, we'll pull you. We should have pulled you in straight after the Man City loss earlier this season. That was a <laughs> yeah, very yeah. different story, different energy in the room. <laughs> no, cheers, That's Dave. It. Looking forward to the next time we have you on. Um, Sammy, thanks for joining us this afternoon for you. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm very sweaty, but um, I I've had a I've had a romp of a time. Um, I will. I'm, I'm directly following work, so I will pass out directly after this. And you know what? I, even like we, we beat Man United, so I'm just still running off of that. Uh, I don't care if it's been a week. I'm probably going to be if we lose three um, nil. I'm still going to say I don't care. We beat Man United, so yeah. Yeah, look, looking forward to the weekend. Let's hope we don't lose three nil. But yeah, I agree that one. That one will live in the memory for a while. Um, Dad, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you. I, I was just about to chime in and say, if we lose three nil, I'm depressed. Make no mistake yeah, about it. Exceptionally. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, great to have you on board, uh, Dave. Awesome. Good, well, good to chat with you. Thank you again to everyone who's listened along. Thank you to all who've joined in on the live stream. And as always, come on, you whites. Come on, you whites.